Welcome to the Peter Gabbett Podcast, folks. Today is January 16th, 2020, which means I am on day 33 of 365 promised episodes in a row that brings you dads out there, your daily dose of news, sports, movies, music, and all things except politics. The Portland Trailblazers beat Houston in Houston and held Harden to one of his worst games of the year, Led by Damian Lillard, of course, they had this game out the gate, leading by double digits at the half. This was a very impressive W for the Blazers, proving that they can beat the best teams in the NBA if they work together. Melo had like 18 points and 12 rebounds against his ex-team of 10 games, where he played for a hop, skip, and a jump. I think he had something to prove, and he proved it. We made the right choice by picking up Carmelo Anthony. Is his name C-A-O-O? Because, you know, they're always doing that with last names in, in sports. In the NBA, they're taking their first and last name initial, and they're taking their number. I'm calling it out. It's C-A-O-O in the house, ready for action this year. Thank God we swooped him up. Folks, I want to introduce you into something called Scrap Dog. Yes, Scrap Dog. Now... I am pretty sure I made this up, but if it exists somewhere else, then hey, strong minds think alike. But Scrap Dog is when you're with a group of people, one of the people you're with is poor. They don't have any money, everyone else is buying food, eating food in front of them, and that person, you know, they don't want to be left out. So what do they do? They call Scrap Dog, which is when you call dibs on somebody's leftovers. Now, that's not a thing that usually happens in most parts of society. Most people, they just buy their own food and they move on. But in the case of me and my ghetto-ass friends when we were kids, Scrap Dog was a big deal. We would go to a restaurant called Sherry's. It's a little diner. They make their own pies. They have video poker inside. And they have them scattered all over the Pacific Northwest. In Sherry's, the Scrap Dog would get called right off the bat, Generally by one of our getaway friends, I'm not going to name his name, but he knows who he is. He had no money, he was poor, he grew up poor, that's the way it was. I feel bad for the guy, so he always gave it to him. So Scrap Dog was kind of like calling leftovers, you know, so that no other bum around you might get to swoop it instead. And actually, in the case of our friends, there was multiple times where they would argue about who got the Scrap Dog. So who's getting the leftover cold fries and the half-eaten burger from a shitty diner in the middle of nowhere in Oregon? I mean, that is proof right there, folks, that sometimes in life, you're at a very, very low point. And that is when you're out with your friends and you gotta call Scrap Dog. Midway, folks. Great movie. A must-see. Any history buff would love this. It's got Woody Harrelson, too. It's got Mandy Moore, Dennis Quaid, an all-star cast. And they do a great job of depicting the crazy lifestyle and happenings for a pilot in World War II against the Japanese Imperial Navy. I mean, this has it all. Action, gripping suspense, and, you know, I even shed a tear because it makes me so proud to be an American, and it brings you down to earth. It really makes you feel humble knowing that you will never, ever do something in your life even close to as important as what these people accomplished in order to keep our borders secure and to keep us from this day from speaking Japanese and not living in a place called America. This movie 
was amazing. If you're a history buff like me and you like World War II documentaries and you need to know more information about why this occurred, this will show you a lot of stuff and, you know, it'll open your eyes. Midway, see it, 8 out of 10, phenomenal movie. There's one thing I need to know, and it's been eating at me for a while. And you know what? My shoulders ache, my back aches, I'm about to have a new kid, and they're going to be needing that baby carriage with the handle that you lug around all the time. It's not going to help anything. Where the hell is the Mandalorian Yoda baby carriage? I mean, why isn't this a real thing yet? If Chris Angel Mind Douche can levitate, then why can't the baby carrier from the Mandalorian exist? It'll levitate, it'll automatically follow you, it'll be made out of armor so nobody can destroy it, and it'll open and shut completely upon your request. This is what needs to exist. Forget about the hoverboard, folks. I need a hover baby carriage so that that thing can float around while I'm watching my other two kids and I don't have my hands full of everything else. I mean, how is a guy supposed to bring in any groceries when he's lugging around that baby carriage with a big handle It clicks into the car seat? It's everything you want it to be, except it doesn't levitate and it has no armor. So I'm just not understanding. My phone has the capabilities. In fact, it has like 10 times the capabilities of my old computer when I was a kid growing up. So if when I was a kid growing up, baby carriers were the same exact thing as they are now, and what happened? Did we just stop trying to make the technology better there? Did we just give up and, and assume that now baby carriers are at the peak of their technological capabilities? I hope not, because I need a levitating baby carriage from the Mandalorian. Now, we all know that every generation thinks the last generation was a bunch of pussies. Like our great-grandparents, I mean, they had Coke in their cough syrup and went through the Great Depression, you know, standing in line for a little cup of soup. Nobody had jobs, you know, and they, they went through WW2, which by far must have been the worst thing. I just can't imagine. And then our grandparents, you know, they went through the Korean War and communist paranoia and Nam in the 60s after that. And our parents, you know, it's like they lived through disco, lewds, crack introduction, acid, the age of rock and roll, and then what, we? We went through grunge, I guess, with Nirvana and Desert Storm, and the introduction of Molly and methamphetamine, and ah, the worst of all that, Spice Girls. Well, nowadays, kids get sick and hospitalized from vape pens and flaming hot Cheetos. Shit is ridiculous. The next generation in 20 years will all be trannies, face-covered pansexuals and Comic-Con cosplay fairies drinking boba tea and energy drinks religiously. I sure hope I do not live to see that. New show coming out from Disney Plus with Marvel, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Now, I don't know how many of you are excited about this, but I am not. Who the hell cares about the guy with the bionic arm thing and the dude who wears a flying suit. This is crap. You took the two absolutely most terrible characters from Marvel and you're making an entire show about them while we wait for Mandalorian Season 2? This is garbage. I mean, of course I'm going to watch it out of sheer boredom so I can rip it to shreds if it sucks or completely 
hypocritically turn around my opinion and say it's great if it is. Regardless, the Winter Soldier, we almost forget about him every time. I swear he died like twice. I mean, who is that guy anyways? He's like friends to Captain America and somehow he remained alive because of some experimental thing. No, he's basically Jax from Mortal Kombat with one arm instead of two. And then you have, you know, the Falcon, who I'm pretty sure they just made that guy up before all this began. You know, I'm not certain the Falcon was even a real character in the old comics. And if he was, none of us ever heard or remembered him in any way. So the Falcon guy with his little suit, why doesn't he just steal the vultures flying thing? That's also for Marvel. I mean, do they only make characters now? With little flying suits? What happened to, like, mutants and stuff? You know, bring back the X-Men. There is a rumor, actually, that in the next phase of the MCU, that's the Marvel Cinematic Universe, for those who aren't nerds like me, is going to include all of the X-Men, as well as, potentially, the Fantastic Four, and they are considering a new Incredible Hulk standalone movie, which I say is a must-do. I mean, they just need to fix what they ruined. You know, Ed Norton played a very good Hulk. But right before that, there was all kinds of other things going on that, with the Hulk that were never connected to the MCU. The MCU didn't exist back then. And now you see Hulk in a different light. You see him as friends to Thor and Thor Ragnarok. And you see the half-Hulk, half-Banner, weird green man thing that's going on. I mean... Let's find out what that's all about and get rid of this Falcon one-arm weirdo show that nobody's going to watch. Plus, I'm kind of wondering, why is his name the Winter Soldier? I mean, was Stan Lee and his buddies just like hanging out and they had nothing left? They're like, all right, we've used every name. We've used every concept. What do we do for the next guy? Let's give him a metal arm and uh, call him a soldier. And then they all looked outside. They're like, well, hey, it's snowing. Ah, that must be, uh, you know, one of the first days of winter. Winter soldier. Winter soldier. Well, let's call him that. And let's say that he only fights during cold weather. No, no, scratch that last part. The new SoFi Stadium in L.A. has yet to be called the Chargers Stadium in any way. It's like setting up for all this. They always 100% knew that this would never really be the Chargers' home. So I still am not understanding why they left San Diego to piggyback with the Rams and lend, you know, and borrow their stadium once in a while for when they play. I mean, is there like a side quest I don't know about for Spanos? Is there like some... You know, other thing going on where he's secretly building a giant stadium in a whole nother state where the Chargers are going to move again. Because otherwise, this isn't making any sense. The stadium itself is in the shape of the Rams logo. It has nothing to do with the Chargers whatsoever. In fact, no fans of the Chargers exist there. So nobody's excited to go see a Chargers game at the Rams stadium, unless they're playing the Rams, in which case it'll be full of L.A. fans. L.A. Rams fans. This makes no sense to me. I don't understand it, but it looks like an insanely nice 
stadium from the renderings thus far. If it's going to look as they project it to look, then it'll be the best one in the NFL by far. It'll be hands down the best. And it'll enhance the area in which it is located. Inglewood, as we all know, used to be Inglehood. Well, now there's going to be multiple venues in that area, including a concert area, an outside amphitheater type scenario. This is going to be a big deal for the city of L.A. and a very small deal for the Chargers, like when they left San Diego. So I'm not getting it. To me, Spanos is still a moron. You know, maybe you have a secret plan that hasn't come to light yet, and we're all going to sit back and say, oh, now I get it. But for right now, we're still in the dark, and we have to assume that he's the biggest idiot in the NFL owners group. Homeless moms got evicted from a house that they were squatting in illegally. Yes, that's why they are homeless moms. They are living in a house they do not own, so of course they got evicted. I do not feel bad for these people in any way because I shovel over two grand in rent alone per month to live in a shanty by the ocean where TJ dumps their sewage and I can't even swim. So in no way, shape, or form do I feel bad for these people. If you do not have a home, go get a job and pay for one. You do not just feel outraged because, oh, I can't believe you're making me leave this home that I don't pay for, I don't own, and I am squatting in. This is not the way the world works, folks. Uh, You're not going to get my sympathy, and you're probably not getting anyone else's. So anyone who's like, oh, how dare you make them leave? It's an abandoned home anyways. It's abandoned because there's squatters living in it. If they didn't live in it, you could refurbish the thing and sell it. But how the hell would I even show a house to somebody who wants to buy it if there's a bunch of squatters living in it for free? I wake up to special presents and gifts from my dogs all the time, especially when I forget to fully latch the cage of my young, small TJ Rescue dog because right now she's on the doggy rag and of course... I didn't latch her cage last night, so what did she do? She nestled herself onto my couch nicely and proceeded to vaginally bleed all over, all over my couch cushions. You know, there's no, there's no coming back from that. Your couch is now tainted by a taint. Tainted from a bloody canine taint. That's what happened to my couch. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lay on the couch or sleep on this thing anyways. I don't put my face near the part of the couch where people's butts go, but I still don't want to sit on a couch, even knowing that at one time it had excretion from a fish-smelling dog uterus. That's disgusting. You know, it's forever ruined, and I'm in the market for a new couch. Y'all got one? The next round of the NFL playoffs are coming up, folks, and I am super excited. But you know what I'm not excited for is after the Super Bowl ends and it's coming up to the end of the NBA season and then finally you get the NBA Finals and that huge gap where there's nothing except baseball until the next NFL and NBA season starts up again. I hate that time of the year the most regarding sports. 
You know, every other aspect of that time of the year, being as it is summer, is the best. You know, you're spending more time outside anyways, so are you going to be sitting inside watching sports? No. Well, I am, because I'm going to have a newborn baby. So I'm not going to have anything to do except watch the Padres suck ass as they always do. I have been in this city for nine years, and I have not been here when the Padres had a winning record, that means more wins than losses, yet. It hasn't happened. When I was a kid, I used to watch Tony Gwynn and Fred McGriff and these teams that were just, they had Trevor Hoffman, Hall of Fame pitcher. I mean, they had great players back then. And now I live in a city where people have no idea what the Padres even are. When I was working at a bar downtown, I was right next to the stadium, and not a soul I worked with could even name a current player on the Padres roster. All the way down to the crazy, the crazy instance where I was working with a female co-worker, and she knows the least amount of sports out of any person I've ever met, but she was born and raised in San Diego, lived her whole life here, should know something about the legends that have played for the San Diego Padres, but knows nothing, and it proved to me that when Greg Vaughn walked into the bar and started ordering beer, and I'm like, hey, everybody, check it out, it's Greg Vaughn, and I couldn't find a person who knew who that was in the whole bar, not my co-worker, not any of these people, I couldn't find a soul who knew the 50 home running, home run hitting Greg Vaughn, multiple all-star. I mean, this guy was an, a phenomenal player for the Padres, put in work for years in the major leagues, and nobody except me recognized him. I think that's why he liked being there. He's like, oh man, there's a ton of ignorant idiots in this Padres sports bar right next to to Petco Park, where nobody knew that the legend Greg Vaughn was in there. And even worse, we had a beer on draft. It was called 394 Pale Ale. Yes, 394 Pale Ale. It's out of it's out of Alesmith. And it represents, the number 394, the batting average for Tony Gwynn one season for the San Diego Padres. So just think about percentages. If you know nothing about baseball and all you know is percentages, then you should know that 394 is about 4, and that would mean 4 out of 10 times he went to bat, he got on base in some way with a hit. He got a triple, a double, a single, a home run, whatever. 4 out of 10 times. That is a really good average in baseball. There's guys that strike out 20 times in a row. That never happened for Tony Gwynn. The beer was named after Tony Gwynn to signify how hard he worked and all the great things he accomplished for the Padres. And when I was working with that female employee one day, I told her the story of 394 and what it represents. And then she said, who is Tony Gwynn? That's right. She asked me who Tony Gwynn is. And she was born and raised in San Diego and the single most recognizable sports figure for this city universally, whether it be football, basketball, or baseball, is obviously Tony effing Gwynn. There's a shrine for him in Poway. He had a mansion in town. His son owns a car dealership. 
Tony Gwynn. It's a household name. I'm sure all of you know who that is. So how does this idiot who's born and raised here, who works at a sports bar next to Petco, not know who the guy is? That made me super irritated. It's time for the portion of the Peter Gabbett podcast we all have come to know and love and cherish so much, folks. It is Real Stories brought to you by Peter Timothy Hankst and Barbecues, and that's B-B-Q-U-S-I-O-N. And today, folks, I'm going to tell you the story I about the time I went to a house party at Jessica Spots' house. So, Jessica Spots, she was a cool chick, dating one of my friends, and at the time I was probably... You know, barely 16, and I was in something called high school completion at a community college where you would go if you were either really smart and wanted to finish college credits a little bit early, or if you were like me and you had been expelled from the same high school twice and you were not allowed to return. So that is why I was at this community college at age of 16. It was called high school completion, and uh, you know what? The school paid for some of my classes because... I was, you know, above the general level in abilities and curriculum. And so for that reason, they were like, hey, we're not going to waste this guy's, you know, intelligence, his intellectual capabilities, even though he has behavior issues. So we'll send him to college. So I met a girl there. We'll call her Bridget. And this girl, Bridget, I met, she was beautiful. I mean, she had a very pretty smile, just a nice soft skin complexion on her face, just nice blonde hair, skinny, really in shape. This girl had it all. So I met her, and one of my friends, he really liked her. He was he was like, hey, man, I got a crush on this girl. I really like her. And I kind of knew that she had a thing for me. So I felt bad, and I was like, hey, man, you know what? If, if things don't work out with me and her, you know, have at it. I'm not going to stop you. I'm not really interested in this girl, but, you know, I would totally do her because she was hot. So one of the days, I bring her to a party at our friend Jessica Spots' house in the in the boonies, if you will. And Jessica Spots, you know, she had a nice plot of land, a big garage, and a big barn on the side. She actually had a couple horses, so we would party there often. And during this party, you know, things are going good. I'm actually, you know, I'm kissing this girl Bridget, and she's kissing me back, and she gets on top of me, and I'm thinking, heck yeah, things are about to go down, and... And then I reach my hand up her shirt, and I, I start to feel something weird, you know, just something that's that's not normal. It, it kind of felt like eh, a little like sandpaper or something. So then I, I lift up her shirt, and she was burned everywhere. Her whole stomach, her whole chest, even her breasts were covered in burns. And you know what, folks? I am, you know, to this day, I know I am an insensitive prick. And I, back then, was especially not capable of, you know, understanding what situation I was in, and so it freaked me out. So as freaked out as I was, I tried to proceed, because she was really getting into it, and I just couldn't do it, and I kind of pushed her off me. And she was not accepting of what I just did. She looked at me and just began to freak out. And then all of a sudden, I ended up in the middle of the driveway. It was a gravel driveway with her screaming at me. 
What is wrong with you? Is my pussy not good enough for you? And the whole party's coming outside. People rushing out of the house to see what the commotion is. She has a bottle in her hand like she's going to kill me and starts coming after me. And I'm like, you crazy bitch. Get off me. Get off me. And she wants me murdered. I mean, she starts trying to attack me and chase me into this barn and telling me that she has to give me a blowjob and all these crazy things. And I'm thinking this girl is a twisted, psychotic, just freak of nature. And I understand for the most part, this whole scenario came about because I am an insensitive prick and I was freaked out when I touched her burned, covered body. And I'm just not used to that. It's not to say that I wouldn't be with a girl who has burns. I have nothing against that. It's not even her fault. But come to find out, it was kind of weird. Her mom had tried to kill her when she was an infant and lit their house on fire and left her in it. And then apparently like one of her neighbors or somebody saved her, but she was covered in burns and it never kind of looked normal again. And she had to get all these skin grafts, all this sadness happened in her life. And I'm just not the right guy. You know, I am not a compassionate individual. I can be a heartless dick a lot of the times. You can tell all these stories I say. I sound like a terrible person. I'm not the same way anymore, folks. I have a big heart now. I feel terrible about this whole situation, but there was a girl trying to kill me because I would not have sex with her. And then the story takes a turn for the worst. At the time, my best friend in the whole world was a very attractive, beautiful dancer, and she was not too far from where my location was, and I needed to get the hell out because I was getting assaulted for not having sex with a burn-covered girl, and so I called her and said, hey, I need you to come swoop me. This girl's going crazy. This whole party thinks I'm a dick. I don't understand what's happening. You know, you just come get me. So she pulls up, and it was at the, the worst possible time because right as she pulled up, Bridget saw the attractive, much more than her so, woman pull up in a nice car and come get me, and then I drove off, and that made her hate me even more. I mean, she hated me forever, and I knew she hated me forever because years later, I saw her again randomly. So this is where the story takes another crazy twist. So I'm at my buddy's house, far away from where I was at that party, a whole nother city. And a buddy of mine tells me his whole, his older brother, they look the exact same, by the way, they could have been twins, but they were years apart. His older brother has a new girlfriend. They're really serious. They've been together for a while. And this is years later. I'm talking, I must be 19 probably. And so this is probably three years later. I never thought about that girl again. And now my buddy's older bro is in a deep relationship with this girl. He's in love with her, all these things. And the guy says, she told him she knew me. And I was like, oh, you know, it could be anybody. I knew so many people back then. I sold weed. I knew everybody, just, just too many people. And so he goes, no, no, no. He says, this girl knows you from, from some crazy scenario back in the day. And I'm like, all right, well, let's see if I know her. So my buddy's older bro comes into the room and says, I'd like you guys to meet my long-term girlfriend. I'm in love with her. We're going to get married someday. Her name's Bridget. And she walks in and it's her. And oh my God, we lock eyes. And it becomes the most embarrassing and awkward moment. I was like, I can't even describe 
what your girlfriend tried to do to me one night, and I feel like I have to tell you that she's a psycho, and she might try and kill you with a bottle if you don't have sex with her like she did to me, but in the end, the guy, you know, he's the better man than I, because he was willing to accept her for what she is, and, you know, even though she's psycho, and she had a lot of burns, and everything was weird with her, they stayed together, and I'm pretty sure they're still together to this day. And in the end, folks, I, I believe I, I'm almost a matchmaker in this story. Because I stopped her from getting all over me, and then later, that led to them meeting, and here they are to this day. So you know, sometimes a good thing comes out of a bad thing, and when you're getting assaulted by a burn-covered woman at a party with a bottle in the street because she won't have sex with you, you never know might turn into a glorious relationship between uh, one of your buddies and her. Thank you for listening to the show, folks. It means a lot. It seriously does. I'm going to keep doing this until I reach 365 days in a row of the Peter Gabbett podcast. None of this is, is written stone, folks. I don't have a giant book that I read out of. This is all from my mind, freestyle, very little editing. You got to give me props for that. So keep listening. It's going to get better every single day. I love you so very much. And if you ever feel like you just need to escape, well, here's a ditty for you on that note by Sage Francis called Escape Artist. When I first got into magic, it was an underground phenomenon. Now everybody's like, pick a card, any card. I shot my full load with the first hand I played I'd be a monkey in a box hanging with the David Blaines I'd be swimming with the sharks, mouths full of razor blades But I'm not, I got out of that game, escape artist I talk till I'm red in my face with strain polyps I'll rock till I'm out of my range and raise octaves I play through the pain and remain conscious Refraining from commenting on the lame compliments And the petty criticisms from those who ain't accomplished Even one-fifth of some of this shit I made progress with I'm leaving naysayers stumped like rainforests after years of pulling rabbit ears out my pants pockets I'm not revealing any tricks or trades Just there ain't no magic in the breakdown, baby I'm laughing to make them all see what I find on my life And I started to give them a look None of them give it a glimpse And I guess that I'm sitting in the middle of an unread book Letters are falling apart with the sentence of sand And I'm rolling the wording It's probably never been missed And it's been missed What did it miss? Interpreted it Funny and serving the sentence of solitary confinement Results in a death sentence Still am I running assignment? I'm just wondering where my time went It pulled a disappearing act And every single assistant I ever had got sorted paid attention, but I can't afford to laugh Cause I'm looking for my break in an autograph for my cast But I'm short on staff, so all I ask is volunteers in the crowd Show a little bit of audience participation now When I say hip, you, you say shut the fuck up, we ain't saying shit And I respect it, check it, get a flair for the dramatic exit A fashionable entrance late to my own arraignment Oh, the self-destructive things that I do for entertainment Gave me this heart, your broken heart is my palate While I was out honing my craft, you was disowning your talent This is why you still live at home, and I bought this house off my parents I'm getting ahead of myself, I see the hair on my back I'm on the road reading Kerouac, it's poems versus better raps I think to myself, what's worth remembering versus defending The size of my manhood or confessional canned goods I'm going to make them all see what I find in my life I decided to give them a look, none of them give it a glimpse And I guess that I'm sitting in the middle of an unread book Letters are falling apart with a sentence to send And the road in the wording is permanent, never been missed Such a permiss, what did it miss, interpreted it Confidential records just to hold the listener's attention I'm a veteran of spatial relationships 
Clip your wings to fit you in, head shrinking magician Shape shifting reptilian, turn body contortionist Orphanages started offering torches to abortion clinics abortion I lost acquaintances and a morgue of lady friends Agenda bent the heaven sight, angelic devil boy The god androgynous I'm looking marvelous, but looks can kill They're unsure about my sexual orientation still Put me in a special kind of case that only breaks if You hit it with a bouquet of flowers and baby breath arrangement The vault is vacant, they're all looking for photo blame I called my agent the moment that I caught the train I let him know I'm going nowhere He's invited, if he leaves tonight then he just might help me find it But this is my burden to bear, not his And I'm a sidekick without a sidekick Holding the future hostage A loose cannon standing on the rooftop with A new respect and understanding of bartenders and locksmiths They call me daredevil but I'm not precise enough Unprofessional on an amateur level I love my life too much Escape artist Yeah. Uh -huh.